I have a very good panel here that is looking at all aspects of um, of the EV. Uh, obviously, we are, apart from GA, our, our CEO here, Sandeep, we also have uh, Rishi, who is an EV manufacturer uh, for Finca Mobility. Okay. And also, we also have um, John, who is in the EV infrastructure. He's, he's the one setting up the charging stations at EV Charger Limited. Uh, we have Jihana Bass, who's in the insurtech space with Mami. Uh, we also have Dustin from MCOFA, uh, where they're doing the financing of the sector. Um, we also have the ride hailing service, Diego Karaniv. 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 Karen. Karen. Yeah, thanks. I see a car coming towards you in the river. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll start with John. Um, I'll start with John, and the question for you is. Um, how can electric vehicle insurance contribute to reduce the carbon footprint of the transport sector? And what role does it play in achieving a carbon neutral goods? Yeah, thank you for the question. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank our hosts. Uh, this is a great job. Um, one of the earlier presentations was about uh, the how, uh, how much carbon is actually uh, released. So, most countries, if you have to look at it, uh, majority of their greenhouse gas emissions actually come from uh, the generation of electricity. <coughs> Usually, fossil fuels like uh, coal and uh, burning generators. And uh, generators. But in Kenya, we have 93% of renewable energy. So, what that means is that uh, what that means is that uh, we have a very clean grid, a very sorry, very clean grid. With this product, what we are saying now is that uh, it has literally shown that uh, EVs work and that uh, it's a thumbs up in the right direction. And uh, for all the companies that are here, if they were not thinking about taking EVs, now they have a major insurer who are willing to take the risk and help them transition. Thank you very much. Um, I think now I'll, I'll turn over to Sandeep and the issue of uh, circular economy. Um, so what measures are in place to ensure that this product you just launched for us today um, you know, is looking at the supporting development of the circular economy, particularly concerning EV components and also materials. Actually, you see, uh, the basic, by definition, uh, circular economy is when you have an ecosystem wherein you are able to circulate a certain underlying, and it actually delivers value when it moves from phases to one phase to another. So the basic and circular economy with context to especially G20 nations or the global south is quite um, is a quite important concept. Uh, so if you see the way the EV space is there, now all the rare earth materials which is actually going to manufacture battery mostly comes from Africa. In fact, it's not far from Kenya. However, we don't have the manufacturing capability. 
So basically what it results is an export and re-import of the same materials which actually is produced by Africa. Now, now if you see how the material transforms when it actually moves into a particular phase. If we have our own manufacturing capability based in Kenya, then it actually has a trickle-down effect in creating an entire supply chain and an ecosystem. So that will, when actually the transformation happens from one phase to another, the rare earth becomes battery, battery becomes part of a chassis, which becomes part of a vehicle, which carries the passengers, and then you have a grid and an infrastructure facility to service that particular facility. So you are creating value. Now, what as an uh, insurance company we are trying to do, we are trying to get into that phase and facilitate a certain movement. So we are not doing something revolutionary in changing the way it works, but actually taking a very small baby step in facilitating the movement and creation of value in the local economy in the sustainable uh, segment. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, so Dustin, you, you finance people, um, and so this product is coming to de-risk you. You know, the role of insurance is to de-risk uh, the, the market. So coming into the EV space, how do you view the role of this insurance product, encouraging innovation and development of new technologies in the electric mobility sector where you're looking into financing. Yeah, thanks. Uh, happy to be here and again. Thanks for the uh, amazing product thinking that's gone into this. Um, you know, for us at Mcopa, we've been, you might know us as a, an asset finance company focused on solar or phones or other assets, but we've been focused on e-mobility for two years, yeah, before all of this, uh, kind of, uh, everyone's talking about things uh, this year quite a bit in the press, right? But, uh, What's important is that there's other companies like GA that have also been thinking about this well ahead of the curve, right? And we're all focused on overcoming a lot of a trust barrier, essentially, for customers, right? The economy right now faces a lot of challenges, especially the two-wheeler customers that we're focused on, right? And what we see right now is that uh, it's the economics are quite compelling right, for riders to switch, but what they need is someone to trust. Um, and when we're talking about trust, we're talking about uh, not risk mitigation for us as a financier, we're less important, right? We will, our risk will be mitigated if the consumer's risks are mitigated, yeah? And we're talking about, uh, you know, personal accidents, healthcare cover, uh, the back, folks don't know uh, what, they're, what they're, they're taking a jump and a leap of faith, right? And so I think the companies up here and the, the product thinking that has gone into this product and what we're all struggling with is how do we help consumers to take a leap, of, a leap of faith that will help Kenya, help the world, and help consumers' pockets, right? But what, you know, what we're finding right now is that that trust is the most important thing in the market to keep things moving, and that's going to be what's, what's, uh, what's making that environment. Yeah. Thank you very much. Karanvir, uh, at Diego, you're looking at creating an environment where people can just you know, use these bikes. Um, but there's an issue people don't talk about, the disposal of batteries in terms of the issues of the environmental impact and recycling potential 
where do you see trans companies coming in uh, to support you in that discussion about uh, disposal and environmental impact of these batteries? Well, first I'd like to thank GA uh, for inviting me and I think uh, their foresight in bringing about an insurance product is going to be a game changer for the EV industry because no other company has thought about insuring these kind of vehicles. As you know, in a EV vehicle, about 60% of the cost of the vehicle is a battery. And one of the biggest concerns that people have had is that if the battery depletes in five to six years, um, are you really clean if you cannot dispose of that battery in an environmentally friendly manner? So one of the things that the insurance policy talks about is the fact that they even cover the battery which to me actually came as a bit of a surprise. And if you look at the motorcycle part of the business, it's quite likely that the batteries packs would be assembled locally to meet the local content uh, requirements. And those batteries would probably have a life of five to six years. The challenge I see is with the larger vehicles, especially with uh, the cars that are being imported where the battery is already five, six years old. And now those batteries would need to be recycled, but God forbid they were involved in an accident. And GA then says, okay, we would take the responsibility of providing you with a replacement, which would come at a significant cost. They would need to do some kind of a cost recovery uh, from the battery that was damaged. Because normally when a part gets damaged, and an insurance company replaces it, that part then should basically go back to the insurance company to be able to recover something from that. I don't believe that there is an uh, industry in place in Kenya today, but I think looking at uh, the growth or the trajectory that one expects and the number of batteries that would need to be then disposed of, it's a great opportunity uh, for some industrialists to come up. And if you look at America, where they've been able to do it, they've done it in a very intelligent fashion. So there are companies that take a part and actually extract the minerals back and they recycle the entire process. So the yield is roughly at about 30%. But I think as technology improves, that would go up. So I think recycling and the fact that uh, GA is already supporting this initiative. They would also now be able to support feeding these batteries that they are replacing because of the knee damage uh, to an industry that can recycle them. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's one comment I'd like to add in what Ranveer has said. Um, one of the figures in terms of environmental challenges which uh, one faces is the challenge and the risk of contamination. Now, GIA as an insurance company, uh, we do provide uh, environmental liability insurance covers, which actually covers the decontamination costs and associated costs, which cost due to the sudden and accidental pollution, uh, while actually handling that uh, uh, So, uh, we are actually, uh, a quite a significant provider in that particular segment.
Yeah, environmental liability is a very key challenge, especially in the, in the large scale area. And, and now I turn to Jihan in the tech space, um, you know, looking at you know, distributors, technology partners, fintechs, insurance companies. How do you see yourself as a stakeholder in supporting the creation of an ecosystem that's conducive to the transition to clean energy? Um, yeah, first of all, thank you for inviting us to this. Um, you know, we've been working on, maybe just to explain what we do first, we're a digital provider of insurance products. So we get a lot of these innovative companies coming to us uh, looking for some of these products that they are not able to find with traditional insurers. So we actually approached GA, I think, July of last year, because we were getting a lot of requests for um, you know, EV-related products. Um, so we started to speak to them then, um, trying to explain to them uh, you know, the kinds of uh, businesses that were coming into the market. Um, so for us, it's really important to be able to be at the forefront of some of these products that are being developed so that we're able to actually distribute them to some of these partners that are coming to us and requesting these products. Um, but it's super exciting for us to, to actually see that the product is now here. Um, so for us, it's more about now being able to take this and now distribute it to a lot of the people that were coming to us and requesting it. But I think there's also another layer, right? Because um, this is just the first step of the kind of product that could be a success within sort of this environmental space. So I think there's, it's really exciting to, to have partners such as GA that are willing to listen to the market and to see the opportunities and to actually take hold of uh, those opportunities by creating relevant products. I think a lot of the time, you know, a lot of underwriters are afraid to go into risks that they don't understand. So for us, it's super exciting to, to just be a part of this and to be able to actually uh, distribute these products uh, to a lot of the tech or sort of tech companies that are coming up within this space. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, now to Rishi, um, <coughs> We know we saw earlier Sandeep showed us two million cars, but very few cars are EV cars. Um, so, what strategies should be in place to incentivize fleet, fleet operators and businesses to transition to electric vehicles, considering uh, the potential for significant impact on the sustainability angle? Um, thank you, um, Sandeep. Um, GA is such a um, fantastic initiative. Actually, from a FICA point of view, as a two-wheel electric motorbike company, um, we faced a big challenge two years ago on insurance. And uh, I think, Sandeep, you and I had a conversation, and uh, they were kindly able to mitigate and have 24 of our bikes immediately insured. Um, incentives. Um, I think financial incentives from the government, you know, for fleet operators. So maybe reduce, you know, uh, have there's already incentives on importation coming in on, on um, sort of EV imports. Um, so that's a great step in the right direction from the government. But actually for end users, even a sort of financial incentive for when they're actually using such EV vehicles. And that should be there. It, it happens in other countries. Um, for example, in India, um, they have the FAME 2-3 initiatives where they've had lower um, um, interest rate calculations for microfinance, and I think that's one way to go about it. Uh, the other one is clear and actually monitoring um, the amount of emissions that happen and a target to zero emissions. Uh, you know, it's all good putting out numbers out there, but how do we monitor it? How do we actually, um, you know, uh, be accountable for it? And I think with an insurance partner, they have the data and they can also help uh, the government and other stakeholders 
ensure that such incentives are in place um, and that the government can monitor such incentives if they're giving tax relief and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Rishi. Now, the back to Sandeep, um, you know, you've just got a very good insurance product for, for the electric vehicle uh, world, but now, how, what about collaboration? How, how do you look at fostering collaboration among the various stakeholders you've had in discussions on incentives from government, um, you know, energy providers, you know, electric vehicle manufacturers, you know, what, where do you see yourself uh, you know, the role of GA in creating a holistic approach to sustainable transportation? Yeah, a very interesting question. Actually, uh, if you see in the whole uh, uh, the conversation till date, what has happened, uh, insurance industry was basically out of the conversation. So even I participated uh, in a talk show with John, and one of the things which were, it was discussed, you know, what should be the standards for electrical connection when you have an EV. Okay, even um, in that particular discussion, which is actually a risk, uh, where we are addressing a particular uh, uh, risk, insurance company was not part of that discussion. And uh, even if you see uh, a lot of talk, uh, which is being done uh, for fair, uh, which is being put forward by various multilateral agencies, uh, like GIZ, FSD, Somehow, insurance company is not part of that impact. So now, actually, we are part of the conversation because here is an industry where the core theme is sustainability. E-mobility is all about sustainability. And now you have GA coming up with a sustainable product and getting enjoined in the sustainable uh, conversation. Now, as we proceed, now we'll have to see how as an insurance company, we actually actualize the sustainable uh, principles of insurance as been envisioned by United Nations. Now it is all about thinking ahead and actually creating an impact. And that is what uh, GA as an insurance company will be focusing on. And I'm quite sure uh, that other insurance company will slowly start uh, from the sidelines, we'll start becoming part of this particular conversation. Yeah, maybe Jody can chime in. Yeah, uh, just to add, uh, so Tesla have actually started their own insurance. Uh, this insurance uh, works very in a very funny way. They actually take your riding data, and then after that they give you a score at the end of the month on your safety. This then informs what you will pay the next month for the premium. Um, uh, it would be interesting if we could give uh, Matatus and Bojas the same. John, even though I am not permitted to say, but I can tell you, Margaret and her team is working on a particular project, especially on Boda Boda, to use rider data to determine the pricing of the insurance. Yeah, actually, this brings me to Rishi, who's uh, you know picker motorbikes. Obviously, building such solutions will require you to provide some kind of technology to support such engagements. Um, you know, maybe share some insights on how that can be implemented in terms of 
how do you see yourself providing that data to support these conversations that like what we just mentioned earlier? Sure. So look, we live in a very data-driven economy today. So um, Fika, amongst other motorbike um, operators here, EV motorbike operators, uh, including charging, um, we our battery has an IoT BMS system, a battery management system. There, um, it's fully integrated with our back end. We're able to see the full driver or rider data in terms of how much kilometers they use, what sort of geographical GPS locations they went, um, even down to what sort of part time, parking time, downtime they had. This helps us understand sort of you know their sort of actual driving time. Um, from a safety point of view, I think we're still a little away from it. That needs a lot of investment, probably some sort of AI analytics to come into that. But you know it is available and but at a cost. But we can definitely provide data to, of course, insurance and other stakeholders to see how the metrics are working for riders. Um, and that has actually helped us, for example, to understand rider behavior, but also understand where we need to deploy our charging swap locations, um, which again, you know, is very critical for an enterprise like ourselves. And then when we need to partner with others, whether it's with microfinance companies, um, charging infrastructure companies as well. So the data is very available. And I'm sure all the other operators have similar um, IoT BMS devices um, integrated into their systems. Yeah, if I could just jump yeah. in. Uh, so one of the very important things that was brought up, what you said Tesla was doing, but it's something that we started doing in Rwanda about six years ago, is uh, especially the Boda Boda sector. If you look at the number of people who die on the roads or who get severely injured or maimed for life, the human capital cost is huge. Uh, nobody has incentivized good riding behavior. And I think this is something which GA could step in and do uh, because the technology is today available and even we have it where uh, driver riding behavior, which includes harsh braking, harsh acceleration, hard cornering, you know, all of that data, because you can you can get a nine axis accelerometer very cheap today, it costs less than three dollars. Put it into your GPS that anywhere you're going to put in when you're going to give a lease to own model. But now you incentivize the Boda Boda guy to drive um, in a more safer manner, which then saves both sides. It saves against accidents, saves his life, but it also saves the passengers who are collateral damage to their rash driving. So I think the technology is there. Uh, is just something that GA could innovate on and then come up with the pay as you go. One of the other challenges is that you don't need to wait for a full month. The data is available on a daily basis. So actually if a guy has been driving rashly yesterday, you could charge him a higher premium the next day. So he can see that the impact and you would have, you would, you could really be a game changer. Uh, in providing a solution that would help save human lives. Actually, yeah, but I just want to go to the person next to you, Dustin uh, M. Copper. You just had three dollars. Um, you know, you're, a, you're the money man. Um, where do you see yourself plugging in into such discussions where, you know, um, Anichara has a chance to, to implement such solutions 
are you looking at such areas in terms of supporting uh, such discussions? Great, yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, the amount of downtime that a motorbike actually comes purely from a financial perspective, right? Like everyone loses their motorbike maintenance. Yeah, the family of the rider, the rider, the insurance, the insurer, the financier. So. Uh, we're really actively trying to participate with um, with other stakeholders in finding these solutions. Things like uh, temporary disability is another good example, right? So how do you structure that product so that there's not moral hazard, right? Uh, that does deal with the reality that almost every single rider that we finance will get into an accident, very unfortunately, right? At some point during a two-year long term. So how do you support them through those times but still structure a product? And incentivize the right behavior. So I think we're, you know, we we also uh, Copa is not just a financier. We also have our own IoT DMS that we work with OEM partners that we provide. Uh, I'm going to go back and talk to our uh, tech and firmware team right now and take your suggestion. Uh, but I think let's let's collaborate on driving the right incentives together for the industry because at the end of the day we have to drive the cost down and we have to drive the carbon impact up and we have to drive the human human life impact up. Right? Yep. So, so over to Jihan, uh, as a tech provider, do you see uptake of such solutions where people want to do pay-as-you-go, monthly payments? Uh, what's, what's the appetite of the consumer to pay more, to have a gadget installed? What are your thoughts around that discussion? I think it's really high because for people, for most of the time, a lot of these insurance products are quite expensive. I think it's sort of driving the wrong message when you know people who have different risk parameter, uh, di di different risk profiles are being charged the same, right? So I think when we first started, we, we launched our first uh, product in 2020, uh, January of 2020. It was a, the first car insurance app ever for for uh, products, and at that time we actually wanted to do the pay as you drive, but there was no underwriter that was willing to support such an uh, initiative. Um, so I think that there's definitely uh, you know appetite from, from the population. I think we've seen a lot of success in places like South Africa, in the UK and other markets where people are actually um, you know, being charged as they should. Because there's no reason that somebody who's just driving their kids to school and going to work should be charged the same uh, as people who are driving out of town or doing long distance trips all the time. So I think it would be quite interesting to see um, you know, these kinds of things being brought to the market. But I think the ideas are there, but you just need the right uh, underwriting partners to actually support some of these initiatives to bring them to life. Thank you very much. So third and final question, I'll ask the same question to everybody, um, which is really, uh, it's a very simple question. What does Kenya need to do, and maybe the, the general East African market needs to do, to support adoption of you know sustainable solutions like electric vehicles? What does insurance companies to do? What do governments need to do? Obviously, because you don't want people like GA to launch a great product, and then there are very few you know, you know, products, you know, very few cars that can use this product. So what needs to happen in the market, uh, and at least we have our regulator with us today, and also many other stakeholders in this room. So in your opinion, what needs to happen, um, you know, for this to happen to support EV adoption and general sustainability discussions? So start with Sandeep, uh, we're going to break down. Great question, Ezekiel. I'll give the point of view what I think as an insurer. First of all, uh, in terms of e-mobility, e you need to understand that uh, e-mobility is not cheap. So sustainable sustainability as a business presently as we see is not a cheap enterprise. It's we are waiting, as I 
showed in one of the slides the cost of battery how it is coming down um, and as per the Bloomberg data which I presented that uh, presently from a, a range of 35% to 50% uh, how by 2030 it should be around 20% of the 20% uh, of the vehicle cost. So when we are talking about uh, sustainability, so there is a sense, there should be a sense of responsibility also from the e-mobility industry to adopt sustainable insurance products. Because during that time what happens is that if we get into, okay, uh, 100 shillings and 99 shillings conversation, <laughs> then actually the viability of the product, uh, uh, it hits the viability of the product. You see, if you, if you sum up, what is the insurance industry all about? You have a risk, you pay a premium to us to transfer the financial aspect of the risk. So at the end of the day, the whole insurance business, if you have to reduce it to one line, is how much premium you are collecting and how much claims you are paying corresponding to the risk premium you are collecting. So, so I actually expect uh, and I also request that the, the players in the sustainability ecosystem to have a responsible consumption of insurance as well. So that the viability of the product is taken up so that because once you have a high proliferation of this kind of product, certain amount of cost will automatically come down. Second thing is the availability of the carbon market. Uh, when we started uh, doing research on our uh, on, on this particular product, we were very much insistent that our first priority for sourcing carbon credits should be from Kenya. If it is not available, then it should be from the global south. Uh, so now, uh, once we identified the projects for which we can source the carbon credits in Kenya, uh, we were not able to buy it. In fact, we had to use an intermediary based in uh, UK to buy the carbon credits, which origins in Kenya. And then we had certain standards, so it should be based on, uh, uh, it should at least have a gold standard uh, uh, credit to make it much more uh, uh, credible. Uh, the other thing is also that there is one player who is actually missing in the conversation, but they play a very important role. That is the reinsurance industry. So we have representatives from the reinsurance industry. That is where actually they also need to open up their mind. So certain things like uh, user data-based pricing. Now when we start structuring this kind of products, we face a lot of resistance from the reinsurance industry. Uh, suppose if you want to come up with an incentive scheme that you have a property or a building or any kind of uh, uh, asset and depending on the kind of sustainable practice you want to take we want to incorporate that element into the pricing what we call the sustainable pricing now this is we cannot 100% go ahead unless and until we have the support from the reinsurance industry uh, so that is where actually a con so in terms of reinsurance pricing presently what happens is that Insurance companies are missing from the conversation. So reinsurance are having their own conversation and coming up with certain things with no so consultation with the uh, insurance industry. I think 
that interaction uh, has to increase uh, uh, and I would urge the members of the reinsurance industry to take this conversation forward and I can guarantee you you will find a willing partner uh, to have this uh, particular uh, 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 conversation as well. Uh, so these are certain things uh, from an insurance perspective uh, we think can be done uh, to create, uh, this is just the beginning, to actually we need to open up the tap in terms of sustainability which is still not being done. Yeah, thank you. Rishi, uh, what is to happen? Uh, does everybody here needs to live with a thicker bike? Uh, I can see one here. What is to happen to increase, you know, adoption, sustainability, where we want to be? Well, I'd love everyone to go with a thicker bike, and uh, we have enough microfinances in the room. I think we'll be happy to finance you as well. Um, look, I'm going to take the conversation back two years. Uh, for two years, um, all the electric mobility players, uh, we've been battling with the government to get incentives and you know th there's been a lot of joint collaboration that came about in the last what, six months um, through the Electric Mobility Association of Kenya um, primarily driven by uh, Moses who's just left the room so has gone with the chair and the treasurer John Dustin um, that has led to these incentives being given by the government um, so we now have a common voice within uh, the e-mobility association. Um, Sandeep talks about dialogue, so we're here, we're here to listen. And let's, let's continue with all players, whether it's microfinance, other stakeholders. Um, it's good to see the regulators supporting this today as well. And I think these sort of um, participation of events is critical to accelerate the adoption. And the association, I think, was key in getting these incentives and now we have dialogue going on with EPRA, so we actually have charging infrastructure regulations. The government has also set up a e-mobility task force, which has enabled dialogue with us. So we're now feeding in as an association with all the players. Yes, we're competitors on the road, so to speak, but we all have a common interest to make sure that the right product comes in. So I think that is critical. Yeah. John, you're the ones putting up these charging stations, but I see you only putting up for bikes. What about, uh, you know, the people in this room, uh, I don't think there's anybody riding a bike. When do you, when do you expect us to start seeing charging stations for, you know, for, for, for four-wheelers uh, and being, uh, you know, everywhere? So what needs to happen? Because the insurance is there, the product is there now. Where are the cars? Yeah, so, uh, interestingly, EV charger is mainly uh, focused on four-wheelers. We don't do bikes. Um, uh, we have our charging points, about six in the country. Uh, we put up a charging point in Nakuru, Sumu, Mombasa, Nayuki. And uh, okay, we're putting up one today at the State House. <laughs> check on that. Um, but uh, yeah, just going back to, to touch on uh, Richie's point. Uh, such kind of uh, events are what will naturally make the industry grow. Um, as industry, we can't keep talking to each other. We need the other supporting players to, uh, to take up their role. Gee, this is uh, fantastic. This is, uh, I really have to commend you for this. Like I said earlier, other players will look and wonder why are we being left out. 
uh, so far the banks actually have uh, spoken about uh, having facilities. Uh, Richie, I don't have you in front of me. <laughs> yeah, so um, G, great point. Uh, you've taken leadership in this, uh, in this industry. And what we need is uh, more people like GA from other, from other industries as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Lami, uh, in terms of Richard Tech, um, you've had uh, Sandy talk about the reinsurers and not providing products. Uh, but what can you do in terms of, from a distribution perspective, tech perspective, supporting distribution of products? Uh, what do you think needs to happen? What do you think uh, is missing for proliferation of such, um, you know, climate uh, sustainability-related products? Um, I think for us, it's really just to get the products to the the right customers, the right people who are actually bringing up these technologies into the market. Um, we ourselves use technology as well, so the process that of which uh, these products are being distributed as well is more efficient and effective. So for us, that's the key thing. But just, I, I mean. I know a lot of people have spoken about, um, you know, incentives and all that, but at the end of the day, I think the transmission systems here is really a big hindrance um, in the sense that although the cost of power may not be that high, the loss of power um, getting to these charging stations, although they may be set up, uh, you know, the infrastructure is not really there to support the low cost and the effectiveness of, this, of these kinds of products. So I think that's, you know, the government is doing a lot, but I think that's the key thing that really needs to happen for major, major adoption. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so, so Dustin from MCOPA, the role of insurance is to de-risk you. Um, you know, what do they need to do to enable you to use more of these insurance products uh, you know, in terms of discussing the, you know, going into the sustainability world? What do you think needs to happen for for you to be, uh, you know, I don't know whether maybe reduce the, the cost of credit or maybe give it to more people? What do you think needs to happen to really, you know, bring us to this sustainability journey? Sure, yeah, look, as financiers, there's certainly macro challenges that we face, right? There's the FX environment, uh, cost of capital, these things we're all dealing with, right? Um, uh, but I, I want to bring it a little bit back again to where I started, which is de-risking to those of us on the stage, those of us in the room, it also has to start with de-risking the decision for the consumer. And the reality is, is there's a lot of products out there that maybe not be perfect, may not be perfect, but that are really, I think, good enough to provide significant value. Uh, but how are we working together to de-risk that decision to allow someone the freedom to make a decision that, again, is going to save, in the case of a motor rider, 300 bucks per day, likely, on average, right? And so things like maybe warranty backing insurance, right? One of the most common, the most, most common questions we get from riders are, Okay, when is this battery actually going to die, and when, how am I going to be stranded, right? Or where do I actually fix this thing uh, when I'm in trouble, right? Or who's going to get me when I'm stranded? So it's those things right now, as, as Rishi mentioned, like, frankly, we, we can't really kind of complain the government's done quite a bit in the last year to help bring the cost down. So now it's on us to say, how can we make this work for the consumer? Um, and de-risking that decision. So I, I think we start with that. The battery risk, the maintenance risk, things like that, have to work together to give them comfort. You know, one example is we have a free returns policy. Yeah? Nine out of ten of our customers prefer their electric motorbike to their own motorbike, but they don't know that they will prefer it until they try it. Yeah? So how can we all work together to support that decision? Yeah? 
Karan Veer, you have a very interesting concept in Diego. Um, so, first of all, we would like to see that concept where you just have a bike somewhere, I go, I, I take one with my phone, and I go, I go where I want to go. Uh, but what do you think is, you know, is not, is or rather blocking or not causing you to be you know, where you want to be in the market? And how do you think the insurance market can assist you in, in that, in, in that endeavor? Well, I think I've talked about the insurance industry. Uh, I think where what the gap is, if you look about, if you look around the world, uh, it's all about money, honey. Uh, <laughs> so the fact is that uh, whenever you've seen adoption really take off, uh, it's taken off because government is given subsidies. Okay? And you look at even today with, with a lithium battery price, with lithium, the cost of lithium came down 10% in the last three months. Right? Um, that's because also the fact that they've found this huge amount of lithium now in the US. So. Uh, we, we found that there is resource for these rare earth minerals which are available and it will drive down the cost. But that impact is not going to be seen for the next two to three years. Today the cost of a vehicle, Rishi can correct me, uh, is about almost 33 to 40 percent higher, right? For you to be able to put an electric bike on the road compared to an internal combustion bike, right? Now, uh, you are your promise is that your running cost is going to be lower. But if the government would come in with a SOC, like they did in India, with the FAME 1, FAME 2 policy, is that they said that, look, we'll give you, depending upon the capacity of the battery that you're giving up, we will give you the subsidy. So you make the subsidy, break the cost down on par with an internal combustion engine bike. Now, suddenly, there's no incentive for someone to not try the electric bike. That's one. Second thing is the cost of charging. Most places now, even in India, charging stations are being rolled out. But in most of the cases, it's for free. They don't charge you. So now you're getting your energy or your fuel top up for free. So that makes a big difference. So even if you can't make it for free, at least bring down the cost. Of course, all the transmission distribution issues need to be sorted out as well. The other parameter, I think, which basically uh, needs to be a, a addressed by the government also is somehow you have to come up with maybe an advertising or marketing issue of making it sexy. You know, the future is electric, but it's not been made sexy yet. <laughs> right? It's not in vogue. So the question is the moment you are able to flip it to say, you drive an electric car, you took an electric Buddha, you know, you make it sexy to conserve the environment. That needs to be done. So I think we are on the right path. I think there are a lot of great minds, and I think GA has taken a great first step, but um, I see that the future is electric. Thank you very much. Um... So I think we've come to the end of our, you know, our session today, um, and I just want to thank all the participants here. Uh, I think for me, uh, I don't know when the day will come when I say I, say I have GA, GA Echo Drive, and then it will be like, wow, you know. So it, it, it's really to to say that I think when you say, say government, you say role of insurance, role of the financier, you know, making it sexy, seeing the product 
coming into the market, the role of reinsurance, I think, uh, you know, because some of the reinsurance here, it's coming out that it needs a lot of collaboration from the many consumers. So I want to thank everybody for coming in. I know this was a very, you know, very, very engaging discussion, and I look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you very much.